Hello and welcome to Africa Tech Summit Connects, sharing insights from across the African tech scene. Hello and welcome to today's show. My name is Andrew Fastenage, founder of Africa Tech Summit. In today's episode, we're taking a deep dive into InsureTech and how the insurance as a service model is digitizing traditional insurance businesses in Africa. While InsureTech companies are yet to fully challenge the dominance of incumbent insurance providers, the wave of innovation is coming fast and those that don't innovate are going to really struggle. Um, I'm delighted today to welcome Jihan Abbas, founder of Griffin Insurance to the podcast. How are you doing, Jihan? Hi, Andrew. Um, well, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. Um, before we, we jump into Griffin and InsureTech, tell us more about, about you and your background and, and uh, how have you got to this point? Sure. Um, so I'm Kenyan. Um, I grew up in Kenya in Mombasa at the coast, which is where I am right now, actually. Um, I, my career has mostly been in finance. So I worked as a sugar trader uh, in, in London. Uh, working in the derivatives market. Uh, and then while I was doing that, uh, I came home and I realized that uh, after having a conversation with a waiter that a lot of people don't have health insurance or don't have access to insurance generally. So I started to kind of look around that and then took the leap and decided to move back home and set up uh, Griffin. So tell us more about that conversation. I mean, how does a lady go into a restaurant and Order, order a meal and then walk out with an insurance business. Talk us, talk us more to that. <laughs> I mean, was it playing on your mind? What, what, did you feel that was a pain point? Yeah, it was just, some, it was just a very random conversation about uh, health insurance. So I wanted to find out. I, I was curious about whether uh, everybody had access to health insurance because uh, I know there was a lot of work being done by the National Health Fund in Kenya. So I wanted to just find out if people actually had the access um, to the health cover. And it turned out that actually, uh, I, when I went home to do my research, I realized that less, across the whole continent, actually less than 3% of the population have access to insurance products. And that number is the same in Kenya. It's about 2.8%. And what's shocking is the fact that there's so many underwriters in Kenya. There's more than 52 insurance companies, yet no, not a lot of people actually have access to these insurance products. Yeah, I mean, uh, for my sins, I worked many years ago with mobile microinsurance in, in, in Africa. I was amazed walking into these offices of insurance companies, uh, the documents that, that were filling the room, paper yeah. documents. Um, yeah. So talk to us more around the problem that you're solving, the, the, how, you're, how you're using digitization to solve this problem. Sure. Uh, so uh, maybe I'll talk a bit about um, the company, the technology company that we have that the Griffin app runs on. So what yep. we did was we, create, we created an insurance platform and we digitized each step of the insurance process. So KYC, pricing, underwriting and claims all into a single platform and API that anyone can access and plug into to create their own products and kind of plug into any front end that they may have like websites, uh, online marketplaces. Uh, and the main reason behind that uh, kind of building this model was because uh, I, feel, I feel like across the continent in the next few years, we already see that online sales are growing substantially. And uh, these kinds of online uh, players are going to be the, the new age brokers, uh, definitely for the next generation. Okay. And tell us more about how that came about. I mean, Lamy, was that, was that the first iteration before you, you built Griffin or how did you, how did you think about building the, the company? Yeah. 
So Lamy uh, was built over a year and a half. Um, it took about a year and a half to build this platform. And as a proof of concept for the platform, we created a product. We decided to do a motor product because a lot of people actually have issues buying their car insurance here. Um, car insurance for underwriters is a big uh, loss-making uh, division. So we wanted to kind of try and uh, recreate the process for customers, change the experience. A lot of customers were complaining that their claims are not paid out. The process is really long and tedious. So we just wanted to streamline the whole process. And now through our app, the Griffin app, it takes less than two minutes to buy a policy. Uh, and we process all our claims in uh, less than seven days when the industry average is about uh, 30 to 60 days. And actually the fastest claim we've paid it out has been in 15 minutes. Wow. Uh, so it's, yeah, so it's been exciting. Um, we were able to actually give customers more control over their policies. They can have short-term, shorter-term policies that were not possible before, up to one week. Um, and then we actually gave new features uh, like pausing cover, especially now with COVID, a lot of people are actually pausing their cover because they're not driving their cars. So we try to give the customer control of their policies. And talk us through the claim. I mean, how, how were you able to pay that claim in 15 minutes? I mean, talk us through the claims process. So our claims process is, uh, we're in the process of fully digitizing it. It's partially, it, it's, it's mostly automated, but um, we're kind of trying to automate the payout process as well. So at the moment, what happens is um, all information is uh, collected via our app. So you can, you can file your claim, you can track your claim, uh, and we are able to see that uh, through our dashboards. And we can actually um, automate certain claim payouts up to a certain bracket uh, as allowed by the underwriter. So we're trying to work more towards automating even higher amounts, which we'll probably be able to do down the line once we show our track record with the claims payouts to the underwriter. And they upload the photograph of the incident or? Yeah, so it's, yeah, so you can upload uh, your photograph of, your, of the incident and then you can also give like a small description of what happened. Uh, we also have embedded emergency services in our app. So uh, uh, we work with an emergency service provider um, that, uh, that basically has a, it's a decentralized network. So what happens is that as soon as a, there's an accident, they can actually come to your exact location. Um, that's also another startup that we work with. And it's been great. A lot of customers love, love that. Um, it makes it really, really easy for them. And we also try to um, be more than just the traditional sticker that you stick on your car for your policy. You know, just have a kind of think more about the customer and be there for them the whole way. And you spoke at the beginning around health insurance, and I know you moved into the, the, the motor insurance. What are the differences between the two markets you're seeing in terms of consumer adoption and perception? I know when I worked back in the day in, 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 in mobile micro insurance, nobody likes talking about insurance, especially not life insurance. Uh, I suppose yeah. car insurance is a necessity. Health insurance, again, in, in time of COVID, is, is obviously coming more to the forefront. But Talk us through the, the kind of a consumer adoption towards those and, and the challenges maybe in each one. Um, I would say for health insurance, uh, it's a lot more difficult to kind of get people to, on board with it. Uh, there's also a lot of fraud. So underwriters are very skeptical about uh, actually offering health policies because it's uh, for years and years, it's been a big, big uh, uh, kind of fraudulent sector in the, in the insurance market. Uh, but for car insurance, it's mandatory across the continent. So everyone who has a car must have an insurance policy. So it's a fairly easy way to kind of enter into the market. But I think we're, uh, for um, health insurance, which I hope I'll be able to do down the line um, in the future, I think it takes a lot of research. So that's what we're trying to do, um, trying to just understand the consumer, understand how we can curb these issues of fraud um, and 
kind of streamline that process. But I think it's something that we're going to have we're going to have to wait before we venture into. And in terms of fraud on the motor, I mean, it's a global issue in, in motor insurance, uh, not just an African issue. But what kind of levels of I, I mean of customer potential fraud is there? Is there within uploading your own images of an accident and and then saying X, Y, and Z happened? I mean, how 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 do you quality check that? Yeah, so we have location settings uh, in the app. So we are actually able to see that kind of data, um, where where you were. Um, and then also with our service providing partner, which is Flare, um, they uh, kind of go onto the scene and collect information for us as well in case uh, the, there's an accident. So that way we're able to actually cross-check the information. And then we also work with a lot of garages, uh, assessors. We have our own values and assessors that, have, uh, that are also onboarded onto our platform. So we, what we try to do is create a whole ecosystem that works together. And the best way, I think, to reduce fraud, what we've noticed is to make, the, make everything as fast as possible so you don't leave any gaps. And then that way you're able to uh, minimize instances of fraud. I think people start venturing into fraud when they have a bit more time to kind of, you know, yeah. move around and, and yeah. And how big, how big is the market in Kenya? I mean, if we look at the motor insurance industry, I mean, how big, how big of a market is that right now that you're, you're tackling? It's a, it's a very big market. It's uh, more than, I, I, I believe, 2 million vehicles. Um, so it's, it's quite a big market. Um, and I think it's a market that will continue to grow as the, as the middle class grows. Yeah, I suppose it's a double-edged sword where, you know, everyone is driving towards sustainability and, and uh, green, green economics. Um, yeah. But ultimately, if you need to get from A to B and you can't get a Matatu, you need to drive, right? Yeah, we actually also cater to the Matatu market. So we also have a product specifically geared for Matatus. Um, and we try to simplify that process for them. Actually, the Matatu app that we have is, is way simpler than the Griffin app. And uh, we have um, instant renewals in that as well. So every week, uh, Matatu drivers can actually renew their policies through there. I mean, data is obviously a huge point in all this. I mean, the pair of data that you must be now um, accumulating versus what traditional insurers had on, on, on pieces of paper sitting in, sitting in offices. Um, how, how are you using that data and, and where do you see the pair of that data going forward? Yeah, so we definitely collect a lot of data. And for us, it's about how we can um, have a better pricing model in the future. So how can we uh, make policies more accessible and uh, cheaper for customers? So, for example, there's no reason somebody should be paying the same amount if they're only driving their kids to school and going to work as somebody who's driving out of the, out of the country or out of the city. So for us, it's about kind of collecting that data now and then um, also using other data points. Uh, I think we're kind of trying to move away from only using traditional data points um, to kind of have a better pricing algorithm and pricing model and also for claims payouts. So how can we actually digitize fully claims payouts based on assessing photographs uh, and then we can actually gauge how much fixes are going to cost instantly and then kind of process those claims payouts. But that's something we're working on at the moment and probably will be up and running in the next year or so. And in terms of the actual mobile adoption, I mean, I, I know you went and you created your app. Talk us through Number one, how did you get people to start adopting that app? I know you went from a couple of hundred to over 5,000 downloads now. I mean, how has that worked in terms of getting people to, to adopt the app and, and use the technology? I think um, one of the main things is that uh, there's features there that customers actually need, like pausing their cover, um, applying for a loss certificate if they need it, or upgrading their cover, and also the emergency services. So that kind of helped us to kind of keep the customers that we do get uh, using the app. 
Uh, in terms of downloads, I think um, it, the process here of buying car insurance is very, very tedious. It takes, it takes more than a few days to actually get your policy. For your valuation to be done for your car, it takes um, up to 30 days. But what we're able to do is we're actually able to, um, you can buy your policy in less than two minutes and then we value all our cars in uh, 24 hours. So we have a valuation system and a valuation app where values actually get matched to customers and can actually go out and, and do the valuations at the customer's convenience. So for us, it's kind of convincing the customer that this new age way of buying insurance is what they need. Um, but definitely, it's been, it's been quite difficult as we're a very new brand. Um, insurance companies have been in the market here for more than 50 years. So it's definitely been difficult to kind of convince people. We've, we have people buying smaller policies and upgrading because they wanted to test it out to see if it actually worked. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been, it's definitely been interesting. And what, what's been, what's been the reception from, from the, the bigger players who've been in the market 50 years to a young disruptive company coming in? What, how, how have they been towards you guys? It's, they've actually, it's actually been very positive. A lot of them actually want to have their product in our app. So we do get a lot of underwriters reaching out to us. And also for use of the Lamy API, a lot of underwriters are trying to, uh, have been coming to us to help them digitize uh, various product lines, various uh, um, policies that they do have. So it's, been, it's definitely been interesting to see such a positive response. So talk us through your API. So you will allow the other insurance companies use the API to develop their own products and sell them on your app? Or, or, and then you take a commission? Or what's the commercial model? So how it works is they can basically just use the API to digitize whatever uh, product they want and embed insurance. Say, for example, they, they want to create their own app or they want to embed insurance in other, in other online um, kind of marketplaces, platforms and things like that. Um, so we do have a lot of underwriters who are very interested in that because it kind of gives them access to a new uh, customer base that they, never, they could never access before. Like, for example, we have a product uh, launching with Jumia. Uh, it's going to be the first time digital insurance is sold on a platform in that way. Uh, and it's a lot of underwriters were really interested to partner with us on those products that we have there. So you're the future for a lot of these older companies who, who, who haven't really conquered the digital space. Yeah, for them, they can actually, it reduces development costs by more than 80% for them. So they don't have to develop any backend systems and they can take a product to market in, in less than a month. Uh, we've actually taken a product, the Matatu product we took to market in three weeks just because it's super easy to just plug into the API. Wow. And in terms of the, the consumer, I mean, what, what's the profile of the consumer looking like? Obviously, it being an app, is it, is it a younger consumer or are you, are you seeing across the board that actually most, mo most people are, are embracing the technology? Uh, I, I would say that it's not, not very much a younger customer base. It's a lot of people who are, I, I would say, between uh, 30 and maybe 45. Um, and it, it's because there's so much more flexibility, like you can actually pay in installments. You don't have to pay a full annual premium all at once. So a lot of people like that. We also have a product for Boda Boda riders, um, and that also allows them to pay in installments. So we have uh, the customer base is kind of varied depending on, um, which app and which product. And are you seeing a lot of viral, viral growth or, or are you having to go out there and show people how to do it? No, it's, I, I think it's been very, uh, it's. People have found it quite easy to use. It's, I think it's fairly intuitive. Um, so a lot of people have actually been just downloading the app, testing it out. Um, you can actually even just get a quote directly off our, uh, just on Google for our products. Um, so a lot of people just test that out and then um, get channeled through to the app. Lots of female founders listen to this. Um, talk us through your experience and your, 
your challenges maybe of starting a business in in Kenya? Um, yeah, it's definitely it hasn't been easy, um, uh, especially working in kind of the insurance sector. Uh, even though we're doing insure tech, uh, a lot of people in insurance are a lot older. Um, a lot of them are men as well, uh, so it takes them a bit of time to start taking you seriously. But ultimately, we're able to kind of push through those barriers. Um, and yeah, it's been it's definitely people. I think as as long as you can show your value, um, people would be interested to kind of listen. So there were barriers with the older guys kind of saying, who are these, you know, upstarts, a young lady coming in here. What does she know about insurance? Um, how did you overcome that? Did you just suddenly go look at our numbers? <laughs> look, look, look at our app. So we were actually lucky to have one underwriter at the beginning when we did out, when we were in beta testing last year, who wanted to try out uh, partnering with us. And that went really, really well. So from that, we were able to actually get uh, more than 14 underwriters plugged into our platform. Um, so I think for us, it was a matter of just proving, making sure people understood what it is that we're offering and, and kind of proving, um, that the model works, uh, because ultimately when you see numbers, when you see money coming in, I think people actually convert and, and come on yeah. board, which is good. Yeah. yeah. And how, how easy was it to raise, raise funding, um, for a, for a startup business? Um, so my first round was a family and friends round. Um, so it probably was not as, uh, I still had to do a bit of convincing, but, uh, a lot of people believed in me, which I'm very lucky for. Um, but now I'm actually doing a second round for fundraising again, uh, post seed round. Um, and it's definitely not the best timing with COVID, but, uh, we're hoping to close the round in the next two months. Okay. I mean, there's lots of research, um, done towards bias. Uh, by investors in Africa, obviously towards white founders and, and, and non-African founders. What's your view on this and how, how have you seen that play out? Um, I would say I definitely agree. Uh, I think there is a bias and I think um, we can only look at it in the sense that it's, it's easier for people to resonate with, with uh, the kind of networks that they have built. So if people have gone to universities outside of this country, uh, and have created these networks. It's easier for them to actually raise the funds from those from those um, from those kinds of investors. So I think maybe that's it is a bias. It, there is a bias, but I don't think it's necessarily it doesn't it doesn't have to do with the quality of the businesses that local founders have built, but more so the access to the networks uh, that other founders may have compared to local founders. And in terms of the future for for. Um, insure tech in Africa. I mean, what do you see coming coming down the track? I know if we look here across the world, where insurers have used black box technology, you know, for looking at speedometers and, and, and mileage and things like that. What, what do you see the technology evolving for Griffin? Uh, for us, I, I think we're definitely going to go into IoT for sure uh, in the next year. Um, and at the same time, uh, for us, our main focus is uh, streamlining the use of data and uh, being able to price better, offer discounts to customers and uh, make the products more attractive. Um, and hopefully through that, we'll be able to kind of break the barriers uh, and the low penetration rate. So not only for motor policies, but also for various other products. And in terms of sustainability, as we spoke earlier, I mean, where do you see that, that playing out in terms of like electric vehicles and, and how far are we away from that? I know in Rwanda, we've seen electric motos and things like that being tested. Um, what's your view on sustainability of, motor, of the motor industry? I definitely think we're going to be moving towards uh, kind of more electric vehicles, even in Kenya. I know that the government has reduced all, or there's no duty on importing um, electric vehicles into Kenya. 
So I think with that, there's going to be a big uh, shift to those kinds of vehicles. But I also think that in, in infrastructure-wise, we need to kind of um, build up out the infrastructure to be able to sustain these kinds of cars coming into the market. And for insurance, I mean, even with, with uh, electric vehicles, it's, it's more affordable. It's definitely going to be cheaper. Um, and also maybe down the line with, elect- with uh, driverless cars as well, which I think would be very interesting in terms of uh, in, on an insurance perspective, in terms of who's liable uh, and how the insurance products are going to be distributed. I think that's going to change as well. And in terms of the business, I mean, do you plan conquer Kenya first and then expand or what markets are you, are you are really interested in you right now? Um, East African market for starters. Uh, but hopefully we'll be across Africa with, the, with our API very soon. I think that way it's much easier to kind of break into other markets because there's no operational setup cost like with, the, with Griffin, I guess. And if, if you were to give a couple of uh, pieces of advice to young founders, I mean, you're a young founder, you've, 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 you've gone into an industry which is completely uh, old school in terms of thinking. You've gone in revolutionized it. What's your advice to young founders who are launching businesses, especially now in a COVID environment where it's a lot tougher in, in a lot of sectors to raise money and find customers? Yeah, I would say uh, being flexible and being able to adapt um, because things are always going to come your way uh, that you never expected. Um, so being able to kind of um, foresee things and when you can't kind of uh, use what comes your way to your advantage. You touched on fundraising. I mean, what's next? You're raising, you're raising some money. Can people get involved? Uh, can they write you checks? I would hope so, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so we're, we're currently fundraising. Um, and yeah, How I think... You look at the what, uh, we're raising about $2 million. Okay. So anybody listening right now who wants to, who wants to invest, please, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, through our website. Um, okay. Yeah. In terms of um, learning and, you know, what, what interesting books have you been reading or, or have you read that have really helped you along your journey? Um, that's a, yeah, I would say uh, blitz scaling. Yes, it, it's been a, that one has been a great uh, kind of learning uh, tool um, to kind of, especially for uh, tech businesses here, how do you actually um, build on that model that's to rapidly scale across, for example, Africa. Um, so that's been a, a really interesting one. Um, yeah, I, I tend to read other, I don't necessarily read a lot of entrepreneurial books. I think I just read random, very random books. Like, yeah. You know. I mean, the blitz scaling thing is quite interesting in terms of the, the funding rounds, but I mean, do you think the blitz scaling, uh, if we, if we take away the likes of Uber who've come into the African market and, and blown it away with large, huge funding rounds, um, do you see the blitz scaling applying to the African the African startup founder in terms of getting that level of capital to go and blow markets away and quickly dominate in every market or, um, you know, in light of COVID with, with valuations, is it going to be more difficult to try and do that? What's your, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think so. I think it definitely might be a lot more difficult, Uh, but I definitely think investors are now kind of understanding that uh, Africa deserves as much funds the startups here deserve as much funds as the startups uh, around the around the world, and I think it's only a matter of time uh, before um, many startups here are able to actually reach that level of scale um, and become unicorns and and so on. So I definitely think um, in the next ten years we're going to see a huge shift in, in amount of investment coming onto the continent. And how important has 
your team being and building all this. I mean, talk to us about your team and, and, and how, how have you assembled the team to drive, drive forward with the Griffin, Griffin business? Um, so I recruited a team, I started recruiting in 2018, uh, mid 2018. And it's, it's definitely, our team is kind of comprised of insurance specialists and tech team and then a kind of sales team. So it's, it's definitely been people from very, very different backgrounds coming together to kind of build um, the platform and build this product. Uh, so it's, it's definitely been really, really exciting to kind of uh, see, especially people from insurance kind of change the way they think about insurance products. That's been very exciting and very positive. So um, I think for us, it's just definitely been a lot about teamwork. How can we collaborate at all times and how can we, um, I think a lot of people on the team believe in, everyone on the team kind of believes that insurance needs to change from their own personal experience or having seen uh, other people in there in around them kind of ex- have bad experiences with insurance. So that's definitely been quite positive as well. Obviously your business model is quite flexible in, in your product offering in terms of being able to switch on and, and, and switch off around COVID. I mean, in the COVID environment, um, what are your sentiments towards, uh, you know, business going forward? It, it, you know, is this just a small blip and do you see a quick recovery or, or, or how do you see this playing out? Um, I think it depends on what industry people are in at the moment. So for us, in terms of InsurTech, we've had a lot of demand from underwriters, a lot of demand for people who want to be able to sell digital insurance products. So it hasn't necessarily been negative for us. And in terms of sales, also, we've seen quite a large um, growth in our sales because nobody wants to interact with individuals or underwriters to actually buy their policy. Um, so I think it depends on what kind of industry people are in. Uh, but I def- definitely think that over the next few months, things are going to start um, going back to normal and we're going to kind of, um, actually, that's, I, I'm not really sure how normal things will get, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be a new normal and um, with the way things have uh, kind of affected businesses. But I think it's been a good learning experience, especially for operational, I mean, operational wise. Um, kind of seeing the gaps that you have in your operations and kind of plugging those gaps to make sure that um, business actually runs very smoothly. And in terms of your own, you know, work, work operation, you guys have been working remotely. How has that been as, as a company? And at the beginning, it was uh, very difficult. Uh, we kind of were able to see some gaps that we had. And then uh, in the first week or uh, two weeks, but then after that, actually things were quite seamless. So it's, it's been great. Uh, it proves that uh, the digital model actually is digital and actually works. So it's been good for us to kind of see the full value of what we've been building over the past year and a half. Do you think that the COVID environment will actually um, accelerate your, your your move towards health insurance or have, have consumers now actually began, began to think about it, health insurance maybe in a different way? Um, do, you, do you think that will happen for you or? I think so. We've really been trying to think around uh, how we can actually embed insurance products into with other products, like bundle them up with other products as well. Uh, and I think um, we're definitely going to start thinking a lot more around that. And also all these uh, kind of health tech uh, providers that are coming into the space now, they're also very interested in being able to offer digital insurance products. So we've had a few approach us on kind of plugging them to underwriters to uh, facilitate the insurance process for them. So we'll definitely, maybe not directly be a player, but uh, hopefully through a partner. So every every crisis has an opportunity. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like to think so. I like to think so. If we say five years from now, where, where do you see Griffin? 
Um, in terms of our product, I'd like to be able to underwrite a policy in less than 40 seconds, but we'll see about that. And in terms of uh, scale, I hope to be across uh, the continent in various countries um, and also offer other products. Well, we look forward to watching the journey and we look forward to, to hearing more about it. Um, really, thank you for your time today. and It's been great to hear some more around Griffin. Thank you so much. To hear the latest episodes, please subscribe to our channel. You can also visit africatechsummit.com to keep up to date on our latest events, news and webinars.